0: Welcome to the Get It Done Podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Ryan. Today, we're interviewing Val Miller. Let's get it done. The Get It Done podcast is sponsored by Team Get It Done, and I'm ready to just get this done right now. Uh, Val, I'm super pumped to have you on because, you know, you're a leader in the podcasting space, something that I look up to and like to watch all the things that you have going on. You're a marketing manager for the art of home ownership, just killing it on the mortgage front, providing a ton of value for really homeowners everywhere, but uh, but loan officers as well, and you are the host of Feel Good Marketing. Val, welcome to the Get It Done podcast.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Jimmy. I am honored to be here. It's nice to be on the other side of things because I'm used to like, it's a lot of pressure to host. You have to think about what you're going to ask next. So this is a little more relaxing. I'm excited to be here.
0: I honestly like hosting better. When I'm interviewed, like, well, it's because I feel like I want to ask all the questions and I want to like, I want to ask them more of this stuff. So it's kind of like a, it, it really is. It's a, it's a shift in, in, in how you work things out. But, um, But cool. So we're going to talk about um, we're going to talk about a bunch of things, podcasting, where we see the market going in the future, uh, the future of the mortgage industry. But really, this podcast is really all about Val's story. Uh, You know, you're killing it here with a with a, uh, a successful podcast. And, you know, we want to hear about, you know, who you were before you were the host of Feel Good Marketing. And the best place to start with that, Val, is where were you born? Uh, what was your early years like? What were your parents like? What were the first you know few years of your life like?
1: Oh yeah, we're diving into it. Okay, so I was in. born in small town, Pennsylvania. Um, Redding actually is the quote unquote city that I'm from, but um, really from like a farm town. So grew up in Redding, Pennsylvania, um, went to the same high school that my dad did. So we're really like hometowners in this area. Um, I always was into sports throughout school. So I played, you know, from a young age, I started out playing basketball and soccer and softball, anything that you could think of. Um, And that was really, I feel like sports has really, as I look back, has shaped a lot of who I am today. Um, And I feel like some of those things you have to grow up and get to a certain point to actually look back and say like, wow, that's where I picked that up from was a lot of it was sports. Um so all throughout high school I I really narrowed in on softball and that was kind of my that was a lot of my life growing up actually because I started to get into playing on the travel teams and your life was consumed by it I never had weekend plans cuz I was always at tournaments um but it was so much fun I uh and like I said I learned a lot from it I think it shaped to who I am today um my parents are awesome I look up to them a lot and like how the relationship that they formed and how they live their lives today really um, they're always traveling always exploring they still actually genuinely like each other which i feel like is also rare so um yeah life is good i can't i can't complain at all i'm it's not one of those struggle stories when i was growing up and i came from this really tough place i really didn't i was blessed growing up around here um, I still live around the same area. I'm about an hour from where I grew up, but stay connected to a lot of friends that I grew up with, a lot of family that's in the area. So um, yeah, life is good. Well,
0: that's awesome. And I mean, it kind of just goes right into feel good. You know, I mean, that's just like, kind of yeah. what, what you are and what you exemplify. That's really cool because, and we were talking about this before we record, like I've recorded people's suicide stories before and like, yeah. the, <laughs> most, like, like the worst circumstances. Mm -hmm. Um, I recorded a guy like his parents came here from like literally illegally immigrated from Mexico, didn't speak English, like, like so many crazy stories, but for you, it's more so like, look, I had a good, good upbringing. What'd your parents do by the way?
1: Yeah. My, my mom was always, she typically worked in a school. That's like always how it was growing up. So I would actually over the summer when she would still be, um, she would have to do like a summer program and I would go in with her and I always wanted to be a teacher or like work in a school. Um, So I was always following my mom around with her job. And it was one of those relationships where I like, I didn't want to admit that I liked what my dad did. So I always just shut it out. I'm like, no, I will not get into business because he was always a a sales manager growing up. He works at an industrial supply company. And uh, I don't know if it was like a take your kid to work day. I think that was happening at his job. So he brought me and... I started seeing all these business people and I was just kind of fascinated by it. I didn't really know what they did. I didn't know what went on at this at this company at all. But you um, liked it? I did, I don't know. It was kind of, I think I just liked the environment of like business people. I don't know what that was because I was younger at that point. Um, but then I really started learning about what he did and he started to connect me with other people at his company. So I remember actually leaving softball practice one day To have a call with like the chief marketing officer at his company just to like pick her brain and ask her questions because i thought that maybe i wanted to get into marketing so that was probably my sophomore year of high school i want to say and after talking with her i was like yeah this is fascinating i like loved everything that she had to say so that's when i really i realized that pretty early that i wanted to get into marketing it was never really a question of what i wanted to do but yeah, I kind of, I kind of gave in and said, all right, I'm going to find out what my dad actually does for a living. And it was really cool. So I I don't know if I'd ever admit that to him because he gets a big head, but it is That's so funny. It's pretty what, cool. Well, going,
0: going back to that meeting, you know, I guess what about it made you, I mean, did you, were you like fully committed? Like I'm doing this or was, I guess like, what about it was so interesting to you that you headed in that direction?
1: Yeah. So my dad, I don't know if it was like that, meeting specifically that really, I don't know if there was one hard point where I was like, yes, I'm going to do this. It was kind of a transition into like, okay, I like the business world. I, I like learning about what my dad does in sales, but I always thought, and my opinion about this has changed over the years, but my dad always told me that I would be good in sales. And I said, no, I'm not a salesy person. I don't want to be pushy because that's, that was my Um, interpretation of what sales was, was like, you have to be pushy, you have to be a salesperson. So I never wanted to get into sales. But I liked the creative side of things. I was like into art growing up and painting. So when I learned about marketing and being creative, that was the part of it that I liked was it's kind of the, the business world, but you get to have fun with it, basically. And getting into it, that really is... That's exactly what it is. And it's so much fun. I love it. Well, so and, it was a good choice.
0: And I mean, I, it makes sense though why you would kind of like, I guess, be, I guess, pushed away from it in the in, in the sense that like, look, if you're following your mom around being a teacher, teaching the mentality of a teacher is the opposite of sales. Like it's mm-hmm. like it just and you're not taught sales in school. That's just it is not yeah. like a, it's something that it, Anybody promotes, even though like half the people that get out of school, you know, they end up selling something or,
1: yeah,
0: I mean, something to that effect trying
1: to sell something
0: or, or trying <laughs> to sell something. So, I, I love how, um, gosh, I love your upbringing. I want your upbringing, my goodness, I want your upbringing for my kid. So, I, a good friend of ours, Renee Rodriguez, he talks about how a lot of times in our lives, we're either something happens to us between nine and 13, eight and 12. I think he says one of those two, but basically we're, we're everything that we do is we're either looking to honor our past or to heal our past. Mm -hmm. How would you say you would answer that question? what, What are you trying to honor? What are you trying to heal?
1: Oh, that's such a good question. So Okay, can you explain explain a little bit? So Honor Your Past is basically like you want to continue doing the things from your upbringing. That's what you liked about your upbringing or what you didn't like about your upbringing and what you want to change.
0: Well, let me share you, you, with you with me. So for mm-hmm. me, my parents got divorced when I was very young and I didn't see my dad for a really long time. And not to get into the heartthrob story of it, but I felt as though I didn't belong. Like I didn't fit in. And part of the reason why truly why I do even a podcast is I want to feel belonging and I do both. I want to, I want to feel like I belong, but also I want to feel as though I'm giving that to somebody else. Like I care about you and I care about your story. Therefore I'm going to interview you and highlight you and promote you. And I, I mean, I guess that's kind of like a why for me about like why why do you do a podcast? Well, that's that's yeah. kind of, that's kind of like what it is. In and in in a without going like I have a I recorded like a 15 minute story about this where I'm literally bawling and crying. But like truly, that's that that's for me what it is. So I guess yeah, just to turn it back on you, what what would you say that you're? I, I mean, maybe you're not healing something. Maybe you're honoring something. Mm-hmm. What, what what is it?
1: Yeah, I think so. Growing up. I had a very, I guess, adventurous childhood. Like that's something that was always kind of promoted within my family was like, just do what you want to do. Like if you want to go on a trip, don't think about all the money that you're going to pay for this trip. Just like book the trip and do it because you really only live one time. It's so corny and cliche to say, but that's something that was kind of instilled in me at a young age was like for the experiences just do what you want to do in life because it really is so short and just like appreciating the people that are around me all the time was also something like we were a family we always appreciate each other and spent time together and that's something that i i would continue honoring throughout my life is like just appreciating people so much and letting them know on a regular basis i think is something that a lot of people don't do very often And it's something that I try to very actively um, let the people around me know why I appreciate them, um, help them in any way that I can. Just have that like giving mentality is something that's really important to me and I want to continue doing um, regardless of where I'm at in life. Um, So I guess, did that answer the question? Yeah, no, that does. Was that a good answer? Okay.
0: That's really great. I love it. I love what you're... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, you're such a podcast host, you know. Like, I don't know. Does is that is that the is that the answer I was wanting? Well, you know, I mean, truly, it's just about getting people to talk. And I, this is why I told you I don't like being in the other side of the seat because I'm constantly evaluating myself
1: yeah.
0: as I'm talking. And like, I don't know, did that sound good at all? Yeah. When like when like on the other end, it's like, yeah, that's fire. That's good. I like. I really right, like. It. Right. Right. So, okay, we're going to, moving on to uh, to high school. I always, I always love to know this about people is what was your first car and what was your first job?
1: Okay. So, well, the job came first. Um, do you remember those Toyota commercials where like Jan was sitting at the receptionist desk when the people yeah. walked in? Yeah. I was Jan. That was my first job. <laughs> I was the Jan. And it wasn't a very... I didn't work there too long because I ended up getting a restaurant job instead, which was my like, I would almost consider that my first real job because I worked there for seven years. I was like one of those places where it sucks you in and you're like a hometowner and you can't get out. But I did get out. But that was like my it kind of shaped me as well. Like the restaurant industry, I always say the mortgage industry is kind of like the restaurant industry with more money like (laughs) that. people are like vulgar, rough around the edges, but I like it. I think because I liked the restaurant environment so much.
0: And with I mean, you can make a you can make a ton of money being even a teenager. I mean, you can yeah. make great money actually. Yeah. I mean, more so than you could doing for instance being jan at the car dealership.
1: For sure, yeah. Yeah. First, so, so it was, was fun. First car. My first car, so I I didn't get a car until my sophomore year of college. Actually, how'd you get and, to work? Um, that's a good question. I think I just used. To, <laughs> I think I just used to take my mom's. I think I just drove my mom's car. Any chance? Yeah, because she would be home by that point, so I would have to like pawn rides off of people to school. It was the worst, but oh you know, God. I guess it it shapes me
0: me too though i actually i because i had a i i did buy a car it was a 1978 mustang four-speed four-cylinder and the coolest thing about it was i could say that i had a mustang but it <laughs> it's literally if you look it up it's like literally one of the ugliest mustangs that
1: ever, ever, ever <laughs> but you still had a mustang
0: but it didn't run so i would literally be doing like the same thing well it did 50 percent of the time like yeah. not, maybe 75 percent of the time but i'd be stuck borrowing my mom's car too that's so funny yeah. But, um, okay, so take us well, to...
1: Say, I, I didn't even on. answer your question. My first car was a red Chevy Malibu, and I still have it. It's still my car that I drive.
0: Oh, okay, that's and awesome. I love it. Her name
1: is Babe Breeze.
0: <laughs> and you yeah. named your car, say it again, oh. Babe Breeze.
1: Babe Reese, because she's a Malibu. <laughs> I know, I'm the worst.
0: <laughs> no, I love that. Okay, so <laughs> take a, Take us to college. So you said you didn't get this, you didn't, you didn't get... I want to call it right. Bay Breeze. Bay? Bay like,
1: Breeze. Yeah. Like the drink.
0: <laughs> so Bay Breeze didn't enter your life until, until, you know, college, college years. Yeah. What, um, what'd you do in college? What'd you go for? I, I mean, a lot of people yeah. never went, go to college because they didn't want to, but you, you probably wanted to. And yes. um, what'd you go for? What, what was it about? Where'd you go?
1: Yeah. I, so my, Freshman year, I actually started at Bloomsburg University, which is a state school in Pennsylvania. Um, It's like medium-sized. It was a D2 school. So I went there for marketing um, and I decided I wanted to try out for the softball team. I did not have this in mind. When I was playing in high school, I didn't make any attempt of getting recruited or scouted. So it didn't go over very well. Um, I, I tried out for this team and I remember I showed up and I'm like, I'm like five foot four, like pretty small person. And they were just all trees. Like I I was like, I don't belong here at all. Um, (laughs) but I took a shot at it and it actually, the, um, the tryout itself went pretty well. I was like pretty proud of myself. I'm like, all right, maybe I have a shot at this. Um, no. Uh, They already had their team like scout, like they were already set to go. I did not make it. So (laughs) it was kind of boring. Like my first year of college, I was just like, I don't, there's not a ton to do in Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania. Um, So I kind of just, I wasn't really into the party scene at that point. So it was a lot of just like the being creative, like drawing on the weekends. I was such a nerd. So um, I did like, they had a really good business program and it was a ton of fun, Um, just like learning and getting into that, um, I guess you could say like meeting with some people that were professionals back in the day. And it was really interesting to me. But then when I went back for, after Christmas break it was for second semester, I was just like, I don't wanna be here anymore. It's not fun. Um, It wasn't a super traumatic experience, but I was just like, there's nothing special here and I don't wanna go here anymore. So I actually reached out to a Penn State branch campus that is closer to my hometown. I reached out to their softball coach and I'm like, I'm thinking of transferring. Uh, Do you guys have any spots on the team? And since it was local, she had known me from high school. She was like, absolutely, yeah. Like I was a pitcher. She's like, we need a pitcher, that'd be great. So I transferred to Penn State Berks and it was the best decision I made. Um, I had so much fun and I think that's where like, looking back, I, I think I gained a lot of confidence because I felt like, okay, this is something that is bigger than me. I belong to something that is a team. And it was just a really good feeling. Like, we had a good team. We were actually accomplishing things. Um, so it was really cool. And it was a really fun college experience. Um, I will say I was I was not a great student. Um <laughs> I'm not gonna lie um I didn't it's not that I got bad grades like I I pulled it off but I just didn't go to class a lot like I I slacked off because I was just one of those like stupid jocks walking around campus you know like I don't have to go to class but you know I got through it I'm I'm doing okay so it was so much fun though I loved going to to Penn State Berks
0: did you graduate
1: oh yeah yeah
0: I mean here's the thing though you have the you have the the piece of paper on the wall. Like who, it doesn't say yeah. your GPA on it, you know?
1: Right. Exactly. And I, um, so I, I graduated, but I never actually got to walk at graduation. I didn't have a college ceremony because we were in softball playoffs. So we were like hosting, we, cause we, we did pretty well. So we hosted our like regional playoffs and everyone else was down, like walking at graduation and we were playing softball.
0: So I mean, but But I I mean, I still graduated, but truly that's what you went for anyway. I mean, if you really boil it down, I mean, you didn't, you went for a marketing degree. Sure. Yeah. But, and and that's important. Yes. I don't know. (laughs) I would argue, (laughs) do you really use it? Does it really matter?
1: No, I didn't. I like, I hope none of my college professors ever come across this, but I learned very little in college. Maybe it's because I didn't go to class, but. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) But I would say that even if you did, like, I I don't know, it's, it. It's wrong for me to say it because I literally never went to college, but I, I feel as though people in, that get a job right out and don't go to college right away, I feel like they're so much more ahead because, like for instance, I sold cars. I was at the car dealership selling cars, and and that's and that is a humbling business. It's I would say it's yeah. just like being um, it's not just like being a server, but like you get people that are crappy to you, you know, mm-hmm. or like and want to beat you up. And to learn how to deal with that and to kind of develop that tough skin, the professional tough skin, is, is super important. But a lot of times people lack that. And then they go to college, they get a degree, and they think that there's just going to be a job waiting for them mm-hmm. when when it isn't. So what I guess while we're on that topic, what do you wish you would have learned in, in college? What did you expect to, you should have learned from a marketing standpoint?
1: There's not a lot of real-world application when you're going for a marketing degree. Like, you'll learn some of the stuff like... When's a good time to post on each platform and that kind of thing, which is really when you get into marketing, a very minute detail. Like it's yeah. not that important. Yeah. So it's just, we didn't really learn a lot about the strategy behind marketing and like putting yourself in your um, potential clients' shoes or like your target audience. Those are things that you really didn't get into the psychology of it at all. Um, I really learned that at my first marketing position. And I mean, I think there's always, and this could be another thing that they should have set the expectation for in a marketing career. Is like, you have to be so resilient as a marketer because there will be so many things that don't work. And that's not like, we just never talked about those kinds of things. Like, what's it going to be when I'm in a marketing position? It was more setting you up to basically be, at like a a Google and just very um, structured, I guess I would say.
0: Well, right, and I, I think that, I, look, I totally agree. And it's just like, they teach you to live inside a box of these rules when that's not what it's about at all. It's actually more about trying things and it might suck. Our, our, my good friend, Kyle Draper, we got on a live the other day and I was just like, look, I don't know anything about StreamYard. I'm just gonna, let's just do a live and let like, we'll yeah. just talk about it. And then we did, and then we had fun and Kyle's like, yeah, maybe this will suck, but I don't care. (laughs) Like, we're just going to do it and put out some content. Maybe nobody watches, maybe hundreds of people watch. I don't know. But, um, but then it ended up being a great, like, well, whatever. I thought it was great.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's all that matters um, though, you know?
0: Truly. That's exactly it. That is all that matters at the end of the day. But, uh, but it's not about when you post. It's not about any of that. It's just about putting out content that you feel good about. And that's a good transition to uh, the feel good podcast. Is that your first podcast? That's your only podcast. Have you had other endeavors in this? Um,
1: no, yeah, this is my first. I, um, so I started it. Let's just say it's, it's not been a year yet. Um, I want to say maybe like seven months. How many episodes I started it. What'd you say?
0: How many episodes you have?
1: Um, I believe we're at like 11 at this okay. point.
0: Okay. Yeah. Good.
1: And, um, you know, we were kind of dabbling in because I was talking with, um, so one of my bosses, Zach, he has, Zach Cusack, he has a marketing agency as well. So I was, I talked with him a lot about, you know, strategy and like what I'm trying to do. Um, and we had talked about it. And I was like, if I start a podcast, should it be like art of home ownership related? Should it just be interviewing art of home ownership partners? And he said, no, he said, you do what you want to do. And it will just naturally build your personal brand. And, you know, we just have the expectation, like, if I'm building my personal brand, only good things can come from that, whether it benefits art of home ownership or not. Um, So he and that was like the perfect answer, especially as like a leader and a boss. Uh, He really like they're fully supportive of whatever I want to do and like building my brand and just learning constantly. So it was great. And I have a lot of fun with it.
0: Well, that's, that's super cool. And I want to expand on that. But before I do bring me from, take us from uh, graduating college to art of uh, Like you, you, you're starting your podcast.
1: Yeah. Oh, so it's a, there's a lot of twists and turns on the journey. That's what so, I want to hear.
0: I want to hear the twists and turns.
1: <laughs> so when I was at Penn State Burke's I actually, this was the day I did go to class and I was in a marketing class and they brought in an alumni that was, he had his own marketing company at that point. And it was called Melior Marketing, which I think Melior means better in like Latin maybe. Um, So this guy, I don't know, that was a very, it was a very small detail. So this guy comes in, his name was Ed Burns. And um, he was talking to us about LinkedIn, like using LinkedIn to connect with people, establish relationships and eventually get a career. So he came in and told us how to connect with people. And when you connect with them, make sure to leave a message, like learn something from them. Don't just connect for the sake of connecting. And I'm always, I'm always the one that is like talking throughout the whole session, like answering questions and raising my hand. Um, Probably like annoying when I was growing up. And So this guy, I was like answering all of his questions and afterwards I I said, thank you. And then I had connected with him on LinkedIn and I said, hey, I actually do marketing around campus. I was like helping out one of my professors and I would love some insight. Like what, like I would love to hear what you think. So he actually met me on campus and was looking at the marketing that I was doing. And he said, I'd actually like to hire you. I need someone to, to do some work for me. So would you be willing to do it? And, you know, I was still in school. So I'm like, yeah, I could use some experience. So I started working for him when I was still in college. And I didn't really know if I had expected to work for him once I graduated. And we got close to me graduating though. And he said, I'd really like to hire you full time if you don't have, or not if you don't have any other options, but if this would be the option that's best for you, um, I think we work well together. I think it would be great. So I, I worked for him and it was a lot of those small clients that there are a lot of startups, but they don't really see the value in marketing. They just know that they have to do it. So they want to get the cheapest marketing possible. They don't want to put a lot of money into it. So really, you you don't ever see success. So it was like a really slow start, I would say, because, um, you know, I was learning a lot and I think it was really an important part of my journey. But it, yeah, we never it's not like we really saw it take off at any point.
0: Well, you got to learn over um, and over and over and over again, what doesn't work basically. Right.
1: Yeah. 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 And he, so we actually started, um, and I feel like we didn't have the right to do this at all, but we actually started doing some consulting with people, like going in and telling them what to do with their business and like how to market and things like that. Um, So that's where I think I learned a lot of the mindset part of it. Like he would go in and do these consultations and he would say, okay, like what, like, what is your ideal target audience? Who are you trying to reach? And like, what problems do they have? How can you solve those problems? That is, I think where I learned most of what I know in marketing. So it was a really valuable experience for me. Um, Your eyes lit up
0: when you said that, like, you're like, like I've got to teach people about how this works. Like, and
1: and I wasn't like, I I feel like I wasn't actually um, I didn't have the credentials to be doing that, but I learned, you know,
0: I I mean, what, what credentials do you have now?
1: More experience, more experience under my belt and actually like hands-on experience. I would say
0: quantify that, quantify that. I mean, but seriously though, like you knew more than anybody in the room, just having a marketing degree, but but the truth is, is that like. If you're on social, you're active on social, you're actually using it, you're creating content. Even if you've done it 10 times, the person that's never done it, you have a lot of value to offer. But if you've done Mm -hmm. it hundreds of times and hundreds of times where it doesn't work, I mean, that's just the thing that like like define credentials. And the thing is, is that like you mentioned that they're telling you like when to post on Facebook and Instagram. I mean, for the time maybe that was a thing but now that isn't the thing and like right. how is that that's not going to take you through like that that credential doesn't matter i think it's just like actively doing it mm-hmm. and yeah i'm i'm like i can tell you loved doing that i mean it's just like yeah that's yeah, yeah it was cool. awesome so ed so this is ed burns still you're so you're still working with ed burns
1: yes um at that point i was and then eventually we ended up like the company shut down. Like it doesn't exist anymore. Um, what happened? How did that- We just weren't, we just weren't really doing well. Like it's a really tough business to get into. If you're not going to really, like we didn't even market the marketing business, to be honest with you. Like, that's how, like looking back now, I'm like, I feel like I could have run that business. Like, I feel like I could do it now, but um, yeah, it was just one of those like really slow starts and you get all these really small clients and when they don't see success, then they drop it. They just start, stop marketing their businesses. Makes sense. Um, so it was just kind of one of those things where you never like broke out of that ceiling and continued being a business. So, um, so that ended. And at that point I wanted to travel. Actually, I said, I was, Right out of college, still living with my parents, and I was still working at the restaurant part-time as well. And I decided that I wanted to plan a cross-country road trip. So I didn't really go career hunting right off the bat. I said I'm gonna take just a few months. Um, I took a road trip out to California for like three weeks, and it was awesome. I was so glad I did it. And again, it's not one of those trouble stories. Everything fell into place perfectly because when i was in california i got a call from a recruiter that i was working with and she said hey a company in philadelphia is looking to hire it's called aim would you be interested in it and i wanted to move into the city so i said absolutely um so i had right when i got back i had an interview with aim and i think i had 3 like <laughs> it was like 3 interviews for an entry level position and um but I I got the job. I started working at AIM in Philly. I moved there. Um, I worked there for about 10 months. And it was, that was kind of where I broke out of my shell a lot when it came to marketing. Because when I was working for Ed, um, not to throw him under the bus, but we would be helping these clients. And I would want to just like create things. I've always been more of like a short-term doer. Like I just want to do something and get it done and get it out there. Yeah. So um, I would try to write blogs and record video content. And it was always one of those things where it's like, well, you could do better than that. It could be better. And it could always be better. Like everything that you create could always be better, but i am not anything close to a perfectionist so it was just like differences in personalities and then when i got to aim though it's very much um they encourage you to kind of build your own personal brand and put yourself out there and that's what i did so i had started out um i was working with the lender partners so a lot of learning the loan types which companies had which loan types because these were all brokers so They were always emailing in asking like, where's the best place to go for this? Um, So it was a lot of learning the mortgage industry right off the bat, which was really valuable for me too. Like having the knowledge now is really helpful. Um, And as I was at AIM, I think I had three different positions there. I I got into the community management side of things, which was really getting the the community engaged. So putting out whatever content they needed, anything that would be helpful for the brokers in their business or partnerships, anything like that. So it was a lot of me creating my personal brand. That's where it really started to take shape was just getting to know people and connect with them, which is awesome. I love the people in this industry. Um, And then I ended up, my last position was with the vendor partners. And that's where I met Zach Cusack, who's at Art of Home Ownership. And we hit it off right off the bat because we're both marketing nerds. So we would go and have these meetings that we supposed to be talking about the partnership. And we would just talk about marketing the whole time. And I saw one day that they were hiring a marketing manager. And I was like, I, I think I really want to just see, you know, it's not going to hurt to see what it what it entails. And he's like, we're really looking for someone to basically do what you do at AIM. Uh <laughs> And it it just really made sense. I love everyone at Art of Homeownership, so it was a really good decision for me. And I, um, it's kind of, it's taken shape. So when I when I first joined the team, I remember Zach telling me, "Try to delegate as much as you can. You know, with like the social media management, um, delegate that to other people, so you can like create the content and put yourself out there," which I still get to do, but. I also appreciate and feel a lot more confident now that I have been more hands on with the social media and the marketing of AOH because now I have full control over like posting the content, getting people engaged, posting content that does create value and like just creating resources for the mortgage community. Um, So I've learned to appreciate really getting down into the trenches and like actually doing the marketing, not just coming at it from a high level. Cause I feel like I do, I need that experience. I need to like gain that confidence, which has been a, it's been a game changer. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, that. And It's so fun. Yeah.
0: I love that. So like, and I would argue, it's the same thing being a loan officer. You really can't, you can, it's just not effective. You can be a high-level executive. You can be a C-suite executive at a mortgage company and not know anything mm-hmm. about mortgages. It, it can be done, but it is yeah. so much more helpful if you have been in the trenches, you've actually called a real estate agent and have them hung up on you. You've actually called a client and had them tell you to pound sand. You've actually had mm-hmm. people tell you your rate's too high or whatever it is. It, it's it, it, it's difficult as for me as a loan officer to respect somebody higher than me in a higher, higher position than me that hasn't actually done it. And- I, I and for you to get down in the trenches and actually create the posts, create the content, do the actual pieces that are difficult. I mean, here it's hard to have a podcast. It's hard and it's hard I would say that the hardest part is just well for me anyway, speaking from experience is that is that very first podcast. It's the hardest yeah. part. Just mm-hmm. hitting record the first time. Does this even sound good? and and I remember doing it and I remember how nervous I was, but as soon as I started recording, I felt great. Yeah. and that was over, and that was good. I want to, I want to just, I, I want to just go back to Aim for a minute. Aim's a great company. I mean, a great organization, yeah. and mm-hmm. I bet you got to meet a lot of great people over there. And in, so in, many. The mortgage broker community—it's all a bunch of basically—it's um, a lot of one-man shops, a lot of business owners, and or, uh, some of our bigger, bigger organizations have you know big teams or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But I think that that community of like they're all like triple a personality start the business maybe we fail but let's go go after it going back to that time working with vendor vendor partners building the community what would you say was i guess like the most beneficial learning piece that you 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 gained from aim
1: yeah that's a good question i think my initial position i think was where i learned the most because i was so um I don't want to say in the dark, but I I didn't know anything about mortgages at all. So coming into the business and just digging into, I would go in the Facebook group and just scroll and look for like things that I didn't know. Like, what does this term mean? What is, I didn't even, I barely knew what a mortgage was at that point. So that was just being uncomfortable and not knowing anything was probably the best thing that could have happened to me because I was forced to, I mean, I I would not have been able to do my job if I didn't figure it out. Um, so I think that's, it's almost like a skill that I learned at that point was just learning to figure things out on my own and not going to ask someone right away, like do some research. There's a ton of resources out there, just figuring things out as I went. Um, that was really, that was really beneficial. But I would also say that I think the confidence that I developed getting to meet everyone was something that, I don't know if I would have found that anywhere else. Um, like I, some of the people on the art of home ownership team, when I, I host our webinars sometimes on uh, we have like a weekly art of home ownership webinar. I do some of the Facebook lives, the podcast, and some of the people on the team will say like, "Where? how can you just like talk to our partners, these like middle-aged men that are like successful. And the thing is I have talked to so many of them and I realize that they're just human beings. Like, Everyone is just a human being and truly no one's better than anyone else. It's just what you've been through and the time that you've taken to get to where you are. So I think that the thing that I learned that was the most beneficial is that you can really talk to anyone. And if they're going to look down on, on me in any way, that's more of a them problem than a me problem. So I've learned to just gain that confidence. And um, I think that that has that's benefited me a lot.
0: I love that. That's a great, I think that that's like an underrated skill. Like it's something that it it really, it takes a minute to do that because I'm sure you did have a little bit of fear talking to your first big wig at a company Mm -hmm. or big wigs at companies. And then you're right. You realize that these are just people. They struggle too. They don't have it all together. And, and if they're going to talk down to you, you're exactly right. That is their problem. And there are plenty of people that are like that. Don't get me wrong. And I'm sure you've come across them. I have for sure. But like you, you, what you realize is that the people that are the most happy, joyous, successful, like the people you want to emanate and like follow, they're normal people. And they're going to talk to you like you're a normal person, too. That's Mm -hmm. uh, and I would say that's that's if I'm trying to impress upon an industry in a way, I would say that that's something that I think our industry as a whole lacks I think that we do come across as these pompous people. I think we do come across as these people that are loaded, full of money, and they don't work at all, like that type mm-hmm. of a thing. I think that's something that, uh, I, I, know that I know that the guys at, at, at uh, Art of Home Ownership are trying to change uh, that, that perception. Be a value mm-hmm. leader. Help people. Actually help them. Mm-hmm. you Actually. really care, you know? And, um, and that's cool that you found that just by talking to a bunch of different people at AIM.
1: Yeah, um, go yeah, ahead. and I will say, this is, I think this speaks to, so Ryan Grant is the creator of Art of Home Ownership, great person, and someone that I like genuinely look up to. Like Ryan, if I become half as successful as Ryan Grant, I will, I, I'll have a good life. Right. And I agree. he's also, it's not that he is one of those pompous people, he's like a genuinely good person. And one of the moments that really like hit that home for me was I was kind of going through, as I said, in marketing, you have to be very resilient. So there are times when you feel like, like I felt like I was just failing, like I wasn't doing a good job. I was just figuring things out as I went. And I, I don't think that that was the case cause we're our own worst critics, but I was just being really hard on myself. And I had a meeting with, um, with the guys at Art of Homeownership. And at one point I said, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Like word for word, that is what I said. I love it. And any other leader would be like, why do I even, why did I even hire this person? (laughs) And Ryan said, can I let you in on a secret? He said, I feel like that all the time. He said, I feel like I'm in over my head with half of the things that I do, but it's because no one else has ever done these things before. So like, isn't that such a cool feeling to be doing this for the first time and just like figuring things out? And it was just, yeah, you would never expect any, it's just like such a good leadership quality to have. And I figured it out, you know, like to this day, I and that was only a few months ago. And now I feel so much more confident just because I worked through those struggles on my own, had the support of these guys that are... Far more successful than I am. Um, so yeah, yeah, it was a good learning experience. Like those are the kinds of people that I want to be around.
0: I mean, the leadership team there, you know, Chris Ledley, Sosi, Josh Metal, um, uh Danny Ranyi and uh and then of course Ryan Grant. I mean, all of these guys are just epic people in their own rights. Yeah. But like Ryan, just to give you another just 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 quick story about Ryan, I was going through a tough time a few months ago as well. You know what he did? He called me, and checked in, checked in on me. He just called and checked in on me. Hey, how are you doing, yeah. brother? What's what's going on? You you're getting through it? And like, I think that that speaks so much volumes. Like, I could, I could, I tear up kind of just thinking about it because it's like he genuinely cares, and I love that mm-hmm. he said to you that. Like, I feel like I'm in over my head too.
1: Yeah, I'm like, what come it, on, right?
0: <laughs> like, what leader? What leader is going to put their heart out there and be that vulnerable? And yeah. he's one in a one of a kind. You know, yeah, yeah, really is. Yeah okay I want to talk about podcasting I want to nerd out on this a little bit so okay. why do you have a podcast and I guess what's what what's the point why why have a podcast
1: yeah that's a great it's a great question and something so the why behind me starting with podcast is genuinely because I like doing it um I like talking to other people in the mortgage industry learning from them like I half the time I come out of episodes, with takeaways. Like I learned things from the people that are on the podcast. So it's kind of killing two birds with one stone. Um, and the why behind it was really, I also enjoy just helping people with their marketing. Like if someone can watch an episode and have a takeaway and improve their business in some way, then that's a win for me. Like that's really the only reason that I have a podcast. Um, but I didn't, I I guess I wasn't super intentional going into it saying like, this is exactly what I want to accomplish with the podcast and this is how I'm going to do it. I I genuinely just do it because I, I enjoy it and I feel like it benefits a few people. Like it doesn't have to be a huge audience. I don't have to be reaching thousands of people. But like I said, if I can help one loan officer and they can improve their business in some way, then that's great.
0: I love that. We're going to caption that. That's just a great, I, I, I really do. I love that because you're, you're speaking, you're speaking straight to me when you say that. I, I would agree. I, I talked to Kyle Draper about this a lot. He, he actually asked this like flat out to a room full of like a thousand real estate agents. He asked, would you rather have 10,000 followers or one? And of course it's a trick question. Yeah. Everybody's going to say 10,000. Okay. Well, what if the one is Oprah or right. or Gary V you, you know what I mean? Like what, mm-hmm. what do you, of course, you want the one. So I think that we, as content creators, podcasters, whatever you want to call us, we're we oftentimes chase the vanity metrics, which how many views did you get, how many downloads did you get? I would argue the real metric that you want is somebody calling you and say, "Hey, I really love what you said here, and it really changed my life."
1: Yes, you could
0: do that with one person in a, in a podcast. I think that that's like, like, I'm, I'm getting chills because I've had people tell me that or I've had people tell me like, Jimmy, this is like the best interview I've ever done. You know, thank you for doing this. Like that, just like, I could get nothing else out of it. Like literally like 10 people listened to it or something, but that was like, I'm fulfilled with that. Speak to that a little yeah. bit more.
1: Yeah. And I love that so much because this is kind of a, I guess, phase that I went through, you could say, because it is very easy to get into that mindset of like, I just want, it's like, you want more attention. That's really what it is. You want to post something and you want everyone to tell you how great it is and get all these likes and comments. But you really come to a point where I had to to like tell myself and I actually, it was after I read the book, Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday. Um, It's a great book and it's really applicable to a lot of our society because of social media and the way that it does kind of brainwash you and you know because I was going through that time where I wasn't feeling like I was doing a great job I felt I didn't feel very confident as a marketer and I just realized how much that I still have to learn but when you looked at my social media I would put out a piece of content and everyone would I'm not everyone it's not like I'm a celebrity but just saying like Wow, this is great. You're a rock star. Getting all these like affirmations that I was doing such a great job, they have no idea what I'm doing for my job, though. Like realistically, they have no idea if I'm doing a quality marketing job for art of homeownership. They're just seeing what I'm putting on social media. So it's really, it was like a a moment where I had to tell myself, you like, don't, you're not putting out content to get these affirmations and to get the attention, like you have to be putting out content, hoping that it is helping someone or adding value to them in some way. And that was a big mindset shift for me. And I've, I feel a lot more confident now that I've gone through that phase and I've really focused on the back end of like doing a genuinely good job in my marketing position rather than more surface level, just social media content. So I think it is a very tough thing to get out of that mindset. And I think I still actively have to work on it. But I think it's a really important distinction to say, like, am I genuinely successful or do I just look like I'm successful?
0: Amen. I love that. I love that. I mean, I have nothing to add. Like, that's just like caption that. (laughs) caption that. We'll we'll put that, we'll put that together too. That that is great micro content right there. That was really just great. Um, Okay. I want to talk about, uh, I have a few questions that I ask everybody that come on, but before I get to those in regards specifically to loan officers that maybe want to get on a podcast or start a podcast or do something on social, maybe not on a podcast, but like, I guess they want it. They're not on social the way that they need to be. They know that they're not. What advice would you give to somebody that, you know, maybe needs to, but isn't, wants to, but isn't, how are they going to help somebody get over that hump?
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's so much I could say about this. Let's um, do it. Do it. Okay. First of all, I would say mindset is the first thing that you have to have going into starting to market yourself, because I think a lot of the mindset or the expectation going into building a brand and being active on social media is that you're going to put out three videos or three pieces of content and get deals from them, which is not the case. So having that long-term mindset going into marketing, just saying like, this is now just a part of my business. It's not just something that I'm trying to see if it works. It really has to be a long-term and I'm talking like years long-term because You just have to stay top of mind. The goal of social media and marketing yourself is not to put out these pieces of content and have someone reach out to you at that point. It's I'm going to put out valuable content consistently over time so that when someone needs what I'm offering, I will be the first person that they think of. And that's a really important thing to get over because, like I said, it's very easy to say after three or four months, okay, what results has have this personal brand gotten me? And if it's none, then you're going to be likely to stop doing it. So having that mindset of like, okay, this is going to be another part of my business. And to not measure the ROI on everything that you do, which depending on your personality type, I think that can be really tough as a mortgage professional because you want to measure the results of everything. But at the end of the day, building a brand is so much more than just what is my exact return on investment from doing this? It's really just being top of mind, getting more referrals from people. And sometimes you won't even be able to track that back to social media. Um, But I was talking to um, a mortgage broker, um, Ben Lavender up in New York. He came on my podcast and we were talking about the long-term play and how you have to be consistently active. And the one example that he gave was one of his clients had put in an offer on a home. And since Ben's name was on that offer, the the guy said, yeah, I've actually seen him on social media. And he he gave him a call and like, let him know. And that client ended up getting the home just because it was a, a familiar name that someone said, okay, he knows what he's talking about. He puts out valuable content all the time. Um, so you can see it in a lot of different places, not just someone messaging you, asking you to to get their mortgage for them. Um, so that would be my first bit of advice.
0: Wow. I, I, I want to dig into all of this um, just really quick. You sound exactly like Phil Treadwell when you say persistent, consistent effort over time. That's really what it's all about. You can't yeah. just do it one time. Like for instance, like my first podcast, I think I had like nine listens and yeah. and I was just like nervous as all heck. I've had more more on my first, literally my first episode has had more plays in the past week Without me advertising it at all, just like somebody wanted to listen to it, and I just so happened to have built it to a point where maybe nine people are going to listen to it. I'm exaggerating right. with that, but like it, it really is more plays with zero advertising. When like I literally better a post every day about podcast, podcast, podcast. Yeah. you know what I mean. So like you really do have to have that that long term goal, and it is it's years long. I, and mm-hmm. I, I told people this too is just like look, you have to have a thousand episode commitment. If you don't, you shouldn't do it. And truly, I think that a lot of people do it just because they're they, they think that they should, but they don't get that mindset from the beginning that you're talking about. Like I have fun with this. When you're telling me, like, look, I have fun when I get on get on a, a podcast. Me too. I like doing it. And yeah. I think you have to because you're that that initial three month you know piece with, that you were talking about. We're like, listen, I didn't get that many listens. I didn't get a deal out of this you know what i mean you can't equate that social presence the social capital for a deal and 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 it's hard like it is work to do this to put this all together and it costs money yeah you're not going to get over that you're not going to keep it going because you don't actually like doing this this isn't mm-hmm. your, your your thing and i think that that's super important and then lastly you said that look i got this deal ben ben lavender shut up ben lavender what's up um, <laughs> I literally just had it happen to me this past, this, within the past five days, I had one of my, one of my business partners, a real estate agent, shout out Adrian Barrera. She's a guest on my show. Shout out Suzanne Powers, also a guest on my show. <laughs> one had a, was making an offer on her $900,000 listing. And Hey, I know that, you know, no Suzanne Powers. I call her Suzy P and, um, can you give her a call to let her know that our client is well qualified and wants to get it. And then we connect the two. And I mean, what's the likelihood of that deal going through just simply because of the relationship that I have because of a freaking podcast, right? You know? yeah. Because the relationship that I actually made uh, uh, on a show, um, I cut you off, but I, I want to hear more about this. Like, I'm no, just, I just okay. want to capitalize mm-hmm. on it. I, I think yeah. that all of that is just pure fire, but like in the context of, get over that hump to go do social. Keep it going, Val.
1: Yeah. I think the other thing is people don't always know where to start or where to get content from. And this is very understandable because coming into the industry, you're going to be a loan officer. You're not coming in to be a marketer. So I think there are certain people that come in with a marketing background that does them well, but for majority of loan officers, they don't have any idea. So that's that's half of what I love about being in this industry is that there are so many people to help because they don't have that marketing background. And for me, it's so simple because it's what I know and what I do. But for them, it's just not because their expertise is something completely different. So finding that content inspiration can be a struggle for some people. But the reality is it's right at their fingertips every single day. I mean, everything that you're doing as a loan officer, whether it's Answering simple client questions on the initial call. Um, there are just so many places where you can get this inspiration. And like I tell people, think about who you're trying to target. That's a lot of the, the problem is that people don't say, okay, what type of loans do I really specialize in? Um, whether it's for some homebuyers or if you're doing reverse mortgages, those are going to be two completely different audiences that you're trying to talk to. So, if you're putting out content that's attracting the wrong audience, then it's not going to be as successful as you would like it to be. So, thinking about your target audience and, like, let's say it's reverse mortgages, what do those people need to know? Because there's so much not only misinformation, but just lack of knowing information at all around mortgages that there are so many opportunities for you to be putting out content that just answers their questions before they have a chance to ask because if you're educating them and letting them know, like maybe now is a good time to refinance or get a mortgage, like that's just enlightening them. And they're going to be more likely to come to you if they have follow-up questions, because you're already giving them all this value. Um, So like I said, it is a long-term play and over time you will see results from it, but it can also be that direct, like, wow, I didn't know this. Can you tell me more about how low rates are right now and how I could refinance like you can get those one off deals like that but it's really just about being in that mindset of thinking about who you're trying to target and what their problems or unanswered questions are
0: I love it I love all that All right well Val we're going to have to have you back on I really I just I'm really enjoying this conversation maybe we do something just about I would
1: love it just all about right.
0: marketing and podcasting but In the context of the show, we have a couple questions that we ask everybody that comes on, and I want to make sure that we get these out. So first one is this. Do you feel like you ever had a big break?
1: Oh. Hmm. No, I wouldn't say I feel like I had a big break. Um, I guess, okay, let me change my answer, actually. Kind of. I think that where I really saw not necessarily the payoff, but like the results of what I've been consistently doing and just like putting out content, connecting with people on social media. This is one thing I didn't say earlier. I'm getting off track here, but when I started at AIM, the first day that I was in the office was the day before Philadelphia shut down for COVID. So, I went from meeting my coworkers for one day to being work from home for the next three, four months. So, that was also a, a curveball in the whole situation. So, having said that, I didn't actually meet anyone face to face for a solid year of me being in the industry. So, the first um, event that I went to was Originator Connect. Um, which is where I met you actually in Vegas and starting to go through event season and walking down I'd be walking with like some people from my team and just knowing so many people as I go through this event like hey I've seen you on social media or people coming up to me like hey Val right I'm like yeah I don't even know who you are but like great to meet you so (laughs) it's just the the consistent payoff of like okay, I've been making these connections and putting out content that people are obviously seeing on social media. And now I have all these friends in real life. It's like you meet them and you're like, wow, you're actually real. You don't just live in a computer screen. So I wouldn't say that it's necessarily a big break, but that's where I really saw like, okay, it's it's working. Like people actually know who I am. And that was cool. It's like a cool feeling because you just make all these connections and meet these really cool people in the industry.
0: hundred percent. I- I couldn't agree more. I love that too. Um, if you were to do it all over again, Val, what would you change?
1: Mm. I Can I answer that I wouldn't change anything? Um,
0: you can. You can answer it however you want.
1: Yeah, I think I I would say that I wouldn't change anything. And this is why. Because going through the industry, I think you always kind of look for, you can feel like you sort of like fit in somewhere. But it's just not where you're meant to be. I guess I would say if I'm getting like philosophical. And just going through the process of like, okay, this is great. And I'm learning something from this. It's really valuable and adds to my career. But just waiting for those opportunities and everything to fall into place was like, and it finally happened, right? Like I started talking to Art of Homeownership and I realized it's really great people that are over here. And now I'm at the point where I've like, I found my people, right? And I, I try to not get the shiny object syndrome, like, oh, like looking for a new opportunity or it's when you find people, it's not it's not bad to be loyal to them. I think that sometimes in today's day and age, it's always like looking for the best opportunity, look for um, new open doors. But at the end of the day, if you like what you do and enjoy the people that you're working with, and you're always trying to grow because of them, I think it's it's not a bad thing to stay somewhere for a, a long time, right? And so now I, this is officially the longest I've ever been at a company actually. I've been with Art of Home now a year and I just couldn't, I couldn't be happier because they're amazing people. And I mean, they have, um, I've actually started working with some of the people over at Neo as well. And again, just, I talked to these people and a lot of the questions that I ask them when like working with them on their social media is why do you like being at Neo? And like, how does it allow you to do your job at a higher level? And the answers that I've gotten just assure me that I'm in a really good place and everyone feels seen and appreciated and like they're striving to get better. And that's what it's all about. So I guess that's a really long winded answer for saying I would not change anything. And I feel like now I'm at the place where this is where i meant to be. I'm really growing here and it's a good feeling.
0: I love that. No, that's a great answer. And I to- I mean, it's the experiences that you had to, the, the adversity that you had to overcome that got you to the position where you're at right now. And if you didn't, you know, fail or or do, or do the wrong thing, maybe you wouldn't have been in the position. And I love how you talk about, you know, the, the like, look, I want to stay here forever type of a thing. I think you're yeah. right. Like, look, you could be offered uh, more money somewhere. You could be offered whatever it is. But a lot of times it comes down to the people that you're working with. I interviewed Barry Habib and he says that one of the most important things about really life in general is loyalty, and mm-hmm. and I would argue that a guy that's been around for a while. I, I, why he would say that is because a lot of times people just aren't. They just aren't. They'll go somewhere yeah. else for a dollar, and and where's the relationship? D- did it really matter? Was there really a relationship? And no, I really I really love that Val.
1: And I think too to that point, when you're talking to someone like Barry Habib. I think when you get to that level and you start to become uber successful, it's like, you don't always know if people are there for the right reasons and being in the position that I am coming, saying this in a very humble place. um, There's, there's people that I interact with that they're, they're benefiting from what I'm doing, but it's not like I can really give the world to them. And the fact that, they're loyal at that stage, that's when you know, like these are people that genuinely appreciate you and value who you are and what you do. And I think that's really important because then when you do get to that place where you're successful, it's going to be the same people that are there with you and still valuing and appreciating you.
0: I love it for sure. (sighs) Was there ever a time Val you felt like giving up?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Elaborate. And, um, I mean, I've been, I've been through it at, at Art of Homeownership specifically. And I'm glad that I have the people there to even um, our president, Melissa, she, she's someone that I confide in when I feel that way and very patient and understanding though. I think like it takes a leader to say like, yeah, you have things to learn. Cause I've really only been in marketing for what, two years now. Um, But it's okay that there's a lot of things to learn, right? Like there's so much room to get better. It's just about appreciating the journey and like, again, so cliche and corny, but it's so true. And just, just being okay with getting a little bit better every day. Like that's what it really took to get in that mindset of like no one is coming to rescue you and give you all the marketing knowledge in the world. It's just never going to happen. So, if you want to be successful, you have to just put in the time and get better little by little. And it was a hard little hump to get over. I feel like it was maybe my quarter life crisis kicking in, but I got over it. And I think that it's, um, I I try to look for things to kind of talk me out of that mindset when it gets to that point. So for me, it was, um, extreme ownership the book extreme ownership that was something that like at that time that's exactly what I needed to hear like it's no one else's fault but your own if you're sucking or you feel like you don't know things like you have all of the resources to figure it out and to get better so just figure it out and get better so I 100% have felt like quitting and felt overwhelmed and like I couldn't do it but you just realize like I felt like that before and I figured it out and got through it. So I can do it again.
0: I love that. I love that. Uh, All right. Final question to set it up. So there is a young Val out there and, you know, maybe they're, you know, in a small town in Pennsylvania uh, maybe they're you know a jock going through going through school, not really going to class. Maybe they're <laughs> you know getting a marketing major. Maybe they're you know in school learning stuff that maybe isn't of value. Maybe they're you know serving waiting tables. Uh, maybe they don't know what they want to do in their life. Maybe they started a podcast. Maybe it didn't get a lot of views. Maybe they're just starting out on their social path and they're at a brick wall. What advice would you give to someone looking to get it done?
1: I love this. I love that. So a few things, I guess I would say is number one is to just put yourself out there without really caring what people think or say. Um, And not that I've really gone through a process of like putting stuff out there and people just shit talking me, but just being able to say, okay, I'm going to make mistakes. If I post a video and it's not perfect, like it doesn't have to be, but just figure out what you care about and post about it. Like that's as simple as I could make it out to be is like connect with people who you feel like are going to get you to the next level and be loyal to them. That was what we just talked about. Um, And just like, be okay with not being perfect and kind of just winging it. And I guess that's, That's very easy to say from my personality because i'm a very wing it kind of person but it's i think it's done a lot of good for me over the past two years is just putting yourself out there and getting comfortable with the people in your industry and learning new things all the time has been that's been pivotal for me is just like always self-educate don't worry about someone else teaching you things like learn it yourself Um, that's something that I, that was a big takeaway from my first job was like, my boss would always tell me, don't ask me anything that you haven't Googled already. Like I would ask him a question. He's like, did you Google it? And if I didn't, he would make me go and look it up myself. Like, that's a big thing because when you get into these industries, like I'm not going to sit here and text Ryan Grant when I have a question, he's going (laughs) to, he's going to laugh at me, like go figure it out. And so that would be my first big takeaway is like, put yourself out there, always learn things, figure it out on your own. Um, what else? I guess I would say, and this is like, I'll elaborate on this, but none of it really matters. Like at the end of the day, I love we are, if you like really put things in perspective, one day you can make a mistake and feel like it is absolutely the end of the world. But like in hindsight, it doesn't matter. Like it's probably not going to matter to anyone else. So just stressing over these little things that happen when you're first starting on a career, I think it can just seem like I'm a failure. Everything is crashing and burning, but it's really not. It's just about like brushing it off and moving on to the next thing. Um, I like, this is a good example. I, um, (laughs) <laughs> we had a a customer or like a list from one of the events that we went to. And um, so all the information is in there. So it would have like their names, their contact information, you know, yada, yada. Some of these people we had already connected with were already in our CRM. Like these were people that maybe were going to sign up for Art of Homeownership. And when I went to upload this list, I messed something up. And our entire CRM was like, had mismatched information like people had the wrong emails attached to their contacts we didn't know what stage anyone was at i was i was up until 1am trying to figure this out like i thought it was the end of the world and I reached out to our CRM. They were like, just upload the list again, like correct. And then it's fixed. And it literally took me 30 seconds to do it. And I was like, why did I just stress over that so much to the point where I was like, I'm going to tell them to fire me. Like that's how, how like awful I felt at the time. I'm like, I don't deserve this. Please just let me go. But it's just not like, it's just not that big of a deal. You realize that most things can be fixed. And even if, if they can't be fixed, have people around you that are understanding enough to say like, this is someone that is still learning and just appreciate that journey.
0: A little better every day. No one is coming to rescue you. Google it. Yeah, and at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter.
1: Yeah, those are my takeaways. Like give a shit about things, but they also don't matter. Like what? it's a it's a good balance to figure out. It, it,
0: I think it's a Jim Rohn quote. Maybe it's Darren Hardy quoting Jim Rohn, but he basically he says that, you know, if you're really stressed out about something, just think about it, 20 years from now, you're not even gonna remember this at all. None of it. That in this debilitating feeling that you have right now where you're just totally frozen. You're not even gonna remember 20 years from now. Um, yeah. All right, I wanna uh, thank our guests for joining us today. And I wanna especially thank Val for coming on the show. And, uh, Val, if, if, uh, if someone wanted to reach out to you to connect, what would be the best place for them to do so?
1: Yeah, definitely um, connect with me on the LinkedIn, Facebook, Val Miller, um, easy to find me. I post a lot of marketing nerd content. And of course, Instagram at feelgood underscore marketing. You can see some clips from my podcasts um, and then you can see all of my past podcasts on YouTube, Feel Good Marketing Podcast i um, always happy to help. So if anyone needs marketing tips, um, have questions or just want to chat, always don't hesitate to reach out.
0: I love it, Val. And I reach out too. Val is, uh, Val is a great resource. Um, all right. I want to thank, thank everybody again for joining us. Uh, if you've enjoyed the show and you've taken some value, hey, can you do me a favor? Can you open up Apple Podcasts, scroll to the bottom and tap the five star? It's that easy. Super easy. Just neat. get it done.
1: Just get get it done. done.
0: You know, super easy thing. Uh, Write us a review, hit that subscribe button, tell a friend. All those things make a huge difference in helping us reach more people. Once again, I am Jimmy Ryan. This has been the Get It Done Podcast. Thanks so much for listening.